Welcome to our Think Kingdom podcast. This week, Pastor Antoine continues in our new series, Beyond. Let's hear what God's Word has for us from lead pastor Antoine Lester. It's been a crazy week, man. And uh, at, towards the end of this week, I came to one, uh, one solution, one, one epiphany. And you guys want to hear what that epiphany is? I love electricity. Um, I don't know. Some of you may not know, but my wife and I, my family, we've been at, without electricity since Friday. And um, needless to say, I love lights. And, uh, you know, for some, we take for granted the fact that uh, when you walk into your bathroom, you can just hit that switch. And um, this weekend gave me a new appreciation uh, for what many will call little things. Uh, but uh, we've been without electricity since Friday, and that's a big thing to us. And so um, because I'm a pastor, I can find uh, a message in anything. And so as a result of uh, not having light, I got a message. Um, we are in uh, a sermon series called Beyond, and uh, one of the points of Beyond is literally uh, living with the lights on. How ironic is God? And so in creation, we see um, that God takes nothing, um, and when he inserts himself into it, nothing becomes something. And uh, Genesis chapter one, in the beginning, this is like a Sunday school lesson that we all learn if we've ever been in Sunday school. But in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness covered the surface of the watery depths. And the spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said. And you know what happened? There was light. God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness, and God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and there was an evening, and there was a morning one day. So darkness is normalized until God enters. Now, I say that, but in reality, God is always present. So even when there are dark places in our lives, God is still there. When God steps into darkness, there is no longer darkness. But here's the thing that I learned. Um, I was literally out of town when um, it was crazy. We had a training for church planners while a hurricane was coming. We either called to it or we're foolish. Either way, I was out of town and um, uh, I had uh, and I called and, and text the elders and man, shout out to Elder Bruce and shout out to Elder Nate because I was two and a half, three hours away from my family. And I just want to say publicly thank you, like for real, for real, for uh, assisting my family and for those who. Yes, please. Because it's the little things. So they brought a generator and assisted, and they brought lights. And we had a few lights in a few rooms, and although the rooms were not dark, it still had shadows. 
Um, this is where I think most of us live. The generator helped, um, the flashlights helped, and some huge contraption that Bruce had that looked like, I don't know what it was, it was a bright light and it had battery powered and it, it lit up like the sun and it was, it was crazy. Um, but even how it filled one of our rooms, um, um, it still cast its shadows. Because nothing can replace the source. And although we had tools to sort of help navigate the darkness, we still had to be connected to the source because without being connected to the source, the house could not function the way it was designed. And, and, and so... Um, the light wasn't strong enough to reach every corner of the house or every part of the room. So there were still some things that were existing or being hidden in the shadows. And so we had temporary lights, but we still are not connected to the source. And so even though some of our areas of our home seemed normal, it wasn't. Because the whole house isn't working properly because we are disconnected from the source. Yes, there are some glimpses of normalcy as we walk through the house, but everything isn't working like it was designed to work. And it's not designed to work effectively until we are reconnected to the source. And so we cannot settle living with flashlights and no water when we were designed to live beyond that. So we have been without the true source now, for so long, we are anxiously anticipating being reunited with Duke Energy. Now, this arrival started, um, this issue started around 5.23 on Friday. Our first alert came via text, and it said, restoration times are temporarily unavailable while we make repairs and assess damage. We can't tell you how long it's going to take to be restored until we figure out how bad it is. And, and so, so, so we see we were not, only, we were not the only ones affected by the storm, but when, when you are affected by the storm, you're not necessarily concerned about how everybody else was affected by the storm. Um, so, you know, we still got our mobile devices, and I'm looking at Facebook, and somebody put on their status, like, current situation. And they were looking at Netflix, drinking on teas, and cooking, and got all the lights in the house. And I'm like, one, two, they got 17 lights on their house. They wasting money. <laughs> so for an entire day Friday, we got no up updates and no, no status, and we recognize that um, although we're not the most important people on the planet, we still felt abandoned. Saturday morning around 1110, uh, we received another alert, and that alert said the initial estimated time for power to be on is currently 9 p.m. So this was what we received Saturday morning, and now I feel my help coming. We just got to make it. To about nine o'clock. But God's faithfulness and prayer and fasting and uh, reached out to different saints. I said, listen, I'm on my way home and my family is in the dark. Pray that the Lord is expeditious in his return. 
but uh, my wife texted me and said, uh, John the Baptist showed up. Now, John the Baptist isn't the light. He's not the one we were waiting for, but he was going to point us to light. And, El- and John the Baptist showed up as Elder Nathan Mikowski. He brought in a generator that he got from our good friend, Elder Bruce. You see how this connection, you see why you got to live in community? Because uh, I didn't know what to do. I-, I had plan B. I called Andrew. I was like, hey, this is what's going on. And, and-, and so I called I call my family. I called my family. But-, but Elder Nate came with some light, but he was not the source of light. We were still waiting on Duke Energy. Restoration is coming, but it's tarrying because around 7.46 p.m., we got another alert, Tiffany. And this alert says the estimated time for power to be on is currently 12 p.m. on Sunday. Oh, now my faith is just dwindled. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken us? I felt crushed. And I looked at my two boys. There must be sin in the camp. We got to figure out what's going on around here. Lord, I know you're busy. But I need for you to come see about us. And then making provisions for my family as a good man does. And I, me and my road dog, my ace boom coon, Anakin. My Boston Terrier, we send the family off, and we are in the house, in the cold, cold house, the cold, dark house by ourselves. But I know joy comes in the morning, and joy came through another text message. And this text message said the estimated time for power is currently at 11.45 p.m. on Sunday. Now... I'm a human. I'm a flawed individual. And I begin to utter some things in my heart that I cannot utter publicly. And as I walked, as I drove past several Duke Energy trucks, I did not have a spirit of joy. I wanted to roll down my window and say, what is taking y'all so long to come see about me? Restoration or the ability to be restored seems so difficult because I'm, I'm not called, I'm not, I'm not adjusting to living in darkness. And I don't know about you, but I'm not talking about electricity anymore. I'm talking about that there's some areas of our lives that are slowly awakening to the possibilities of wholeness. And how God created us to be. But we're in a sermon series called Beyond. And so God wants to do so much more than just restore us. And beyond is living beyond the shadows. And, and sometimes the hope that we all carry is stagnated or suppressed 
Because a part of us have gotten so used to living in the shadows, we no longer have the hope or the joy that the light brings. And so I'm in this uncomfortable place now because I want, to, I, I want us to understand that we are not meant to live in darkness. We were called to live with the lights on. And so as we park in Ephesians for whenever the Lord tells us to move, we start with the Apostle Paul um, writing to the church in Ephesus. And in Ephesians, Paul deals what it means to be a Christian, both in faith and in practice. How we live out what God put in us. And he put in us his spirit. And the spirit of God no longer comes upon his people like it was primarily in the Old Testament. But now the spirit of God lives in his people. Ezekiel prophesied it this way. He, uh, Ezekiel, uh, write it down and search those things to see if I'm telling the truth. Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 27. Um, the spirit of the Lord comes upon Ezekiel and he says, by the spirit of the Lord, the Lord says, I will put my spirit within you. And cause you to walk in my statutes and you will be careful to observe my ordinances. In other words, that conviction, that thing or whatever you want to call it that prevents you from doing wrong or, or uh, uh, convicts you for when we make those bad decisions or we do wrong, that is the Spirit of God operating in you. And so we keep singing songs about Spirit of God rest on us. No, Spirit of God raise up in us. And so my identity is no longer in what people call me, but who I am in Christ. I need for you to say this with me. I am who I am in Christ. And you can't mess that up. The Spirit of God is in us. 1 Corinthians 6 and 19 says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? Where? Who is in? In you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own. The Spirit of God operating in you. So Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 14, guard through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us the treasure that has been entrusted to you. You must write. You must do the films. You must sing. You must. You have to because the Holy, the Holy Spirit who lives in you is protecting the treasure that God has given you. Your gifts that are being hidden is not for you. It's for the benefit of God's church. And so which means when you shadow or when you shrink, you are, you are literally helping me forfeit the future that God has for me because we're all connected. And so the treasure, Jess, he's guarding it by the indwelling of, your Holy, of his Holy Spirit. And so oftentimes, Tiffany, we become uh, jealous of somebody else's gifts because we haven't cultivated our own. And so can I release this church to go forth in your gifts? Because the body, say the body, the body is not waiting for Antoine's arrival. The body is waiting for you. 
It's the power in the pews, Tiffany, that we keep getting it wrong. The people of God. It didn't say the man of God. It said the people of God has been entrusted with the Holy Spirit. And if this church is not growing to your, um, uh, to what you think it should be, where is your gift? Because if we build it on the gift of the man of God, what happens when the man of God fails? It's the people, it's the body, the body of Christ that consumes us, that, that, that is supposed to carry us. This is a big deal. And so what Paul is writing to is not a man. He's writing to a body. And in this, he says, listen, in verse number, th- uh, Ephesians chapter, I feel God. In v- Ephesians chapter 3, verse 4, I feel you. Hold on. God, I feel you. In, in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14, Paul says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father. Whom, from whom every family, listen to this, I need for you to put your spiritual um, headphones on. From whom every family in heaven on earth is named, I pray that he may grant you. He's talking to the body. He's not talking to one person. He's talking to the body. He says, I may grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power. In your inner being. How? Through his spirit. I mean, the reason why we keep, we, we, we keep starting and stopping is because we're doing it in our own strength. The reason why that, that, that we feel like we're, we're, we're not creative as we used to be because we're using these strategies that just don't work. We need to tap in to the source. And that source is the Holy Spirit. And he says, Paul, taking the position of a father with a little f, he says, for this reason I kneel before the father, for whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. I pray that he may grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power in your inner being through his spirit. And that may Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you being, you being rooted and firmly established in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width, height and depth of God's love. And to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him. Man, Paul, Paul says, I'm praying this and I'm praying that. I'm praying that you'll be strengthened in your inner man, that that's who you really are. We, we're, God is decluttering us. He's deconstructing this mess that we've built. He says, your inner man, the real you, your spirit. He said, I'm praying for your spirit to be strengthened by the Holy Spirit because there are going to be times that you'll be challenged in who you think you are because who you think you are is based on your past. And as long as your past drives your future, you will always fail. But Paul says, he prays, he says, but I prayed for you. And I ain't praying these foolish prayers. I'm not praying for a single house. I'm not praying for a car. I'm not praying for you to be wealthy. I'm praying that you be strengthened. Strengthened by his spirit. This stuff don't matter. And he's praying eternal prayer. See, what has been tickling the hearts of the saints is this stuff that don't matter. And so he says, listen, I'm not praying these baby prayers about pay my bills, help me with this. I'm praying that your inner being is strengthened. Because if your inner being is strengthened, this stuff won't move you. 
He says, I'm praying. I'm praying that you're strengthened. You're strengthened with power, your inner being. And here's the thing, man. This is the man, this is the secret sauce. And that may Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And that word dwell means make himself at home. The problem with most of us that we make Christ visiting us. And he desires to be with us. And and listen, there's the, the worst, the worst place to be is a home that you're not welcomed. And he says, I want to dwell in your hearts because heart is the deceit of your emotions and heart is where the enemy attacks constantly. And that's why we got to protect our children. And that's why we got to protect our own hearts because it's in the hearts that all my emotions make these jacked up decisions. He says, Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And then he says, I pray that you being rooted and firmly established in love. That's why you got to get your heart right first. Because if you get your heart right first and the inner, inner being is now being strengthened through the power of the Holy Spirit, then you understand what love is. And he says, once you understand what love is, you really don't understand what love is because now the only way you can all comprehend it is when the saints gather. How do I know this? May be able to comprehend what? With all the saints. And he says, may be able to comprehend what? What is the length and width height and depth of God's love. So the beauty of this, Gina, this is the thing that blew my mind. The greatest evidence that we love God is how we love each other. Man, listen, here's here's the problem, Tiffany. I want to love only those who think like me. I don't want to love those who challenge how I think. And that's the challenge of the church. This person is too liberal. And this person, listen, how we love, how we demonstrate our love is the evidence of how we love him. You cannot love him who you have not seen and talk about your brother and your sister. You can't do it. And so, and, and, and so we're going to have to love some people, some beautiful people with some ugly stuff. And here's the problem with loving beautiful people with ugly stuff. They're going to think we ugly with them. Why? How are you accepting this person? And how are you accepting, how you affirm this person? How you, all these questions, do you love? And he says, because when we, the saints come together, then we're not able. This is, it's an ironic statement because you got you to smush 17 and 18 and 19 together. He says, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you being rooted and firmly established in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width, height and depth of God's love and to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge. Wait, how are we supposed to demonstrate Christ's love and it surpasses our knowledge? We can't comprehend it so that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Think Kingdom Church is a big umbrella church. Stop trying to put us in a box. Trying to figure out, do you do this? Do you do this? Listen, man, this is the love of God that's demonstrated and is demonstrated from the Jews and Gentiles having lunch. They have no reason to be together. And what made the church attractive, how did you get the slaves and the masters? How did you get the, the folks that was literally worshiping in this, this sex temple? And now how do you get all these people 
on mission together. And what we're trying to do is assimilate everybody to look, feel, act, and sing the same way. What is wrong? Mm. And so now, now, to him who is able, man, that right there will preach by itself. We're not able. He is. Now, now. Gina, the season that I just came out of, it tried to kill my ability to dream. And I kept hearing one word going into uh, our sixth six birthday celebration, beyond. What are you talking about, God? I, I don't dream anymore. It's beyond your dreams. God, my imagination isn't being suffocated. It's beyond your imagination. I am able. And this is Ephesians. In Ephesians, we see the miracle of the church. In Ephesians, we see the majesty of the church. And in Ephesians, we see the mystery of the church. How is God bringing all these people, the rich, the poor, the black, the white, all all these people together? Because he's creating a new identity. And we have that new identity found in Christ. So here's my warning to you. If you follow some of your brothers and sisters on Facebook, they might challenge you. They might even make you mad. But if we're going to bring, if we're going to bring Christ and we're going to make Christ the center, then we can endure the madness. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. I pray that he may grant you according to the riches of glory. And here's the thing, the riches of his glory. Men, women of God, keep walking in humility. Every accomplishment that you've made is to his credit, not yours. Many of us, we want to be seen, we want to be heard. I get it, I understand it. But baby, you better draw that down and make sure that as much as they sing your praises, you point them back to the one who's the giver of the gifts. And this is the challenge for us. This is the challenge for us. This is the difference between having abundance and having a scarcity mentality. Abundance starts with the glorious riches of God. It doesn't start with what we have. Abundance starts, it starts with recognizing that God is the creator and the sustainer of life. It starts with that he is the giver of everything. He is God and he's always able to give more. But many of us live with a scarcity mentality. And that scarcity mentality, it starts with us. And if it starts with us, it means it ends with us. And if it ends with us, it means I'm limited, I'm finite, and there's no way that I can give and pour out. Why should I give the body of Christ my gift? Because if I give the body of Christ my gift, I will be forgotten. It's his riches. He has given us his glory. So we point people back to him. There's a difference between hoarding and saving. And this His riches is what's supposed to fuel our generosity. It's beyond me. I need you to say it with me. It's beyond me. When we see the glory of his riches, we can move from fear to freedom. What's holding you back? What's what's causing you not to dream? And, and, And here, let me just put this out there, man. This is not a necessarily true statement. It's more anecdotal. But the church has killed more dreams than anybody I've met. 
And if we're going to move, we're going to move beyond ourselves, you're going to have to trust God again. You're going to have to trust God again. You have to move from fear to freedom again. And you're going to have to risk being hurt again. This is where freedom is because freedom with, with the, the apprehension or the, or, or the hesitancy of making connections, God works in community. And for some of us, you got to get off the sidelines and get in the game. Move from fear to freedom. Because when you move from fear to freedom, you move from fractured to flourishing. We have this rugged individualism that's just cramped, that, that's creeping in the church. It's all about me. It's all about what I give. And here's the problem. Because of past experiences, you gave so much and, and didn't expect anything in return and got hurt. So now what would you normally give? What would you normally do when you had that experience in the Because the brokenness that you're dealing with is hindering not only your growth, but those who are connected to you. We need you. We need you if we're going to move beyond ourselves. God works in the body of Christ. And because injustice to justice is when we recognize the riches of God's glory. See, we have this selfish apologetic. And that selfish apologetic is, I didn't, I wasn't involved with that. That was my. But when your heart breaks towards, if your heart breaks to what he breaks his heart, and we stand in his stead, we wanna, we wanna repay. We 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 wanna do that. There are people in this community that the only thing they want from us is what we can give. And it's not just Jesus. But having a selfish apologetic simply means we can't really help those people. We got to fight against the temptation to judge people based on where they are. Because we are trying to move ourselves from hurt to healing. So we got to balance this grace with holding people accountable and not just canceling people. But canceling people is a result of not holding people accountable. And so for so long, you know, we said he's a man of God and, you know, touch not my anointed, do my prophets no harm. And now we got a generation that ain't all about that. I don't care who he is, lock him up. And there's some truth in that because with, with accountability without consequences is not accountability. Grace does not remove the consequences. And so we have this thing. It's like, okay, if your audience is a thousand people, then you know you owe a thousand explanations. Not the two or three that's gathered over here to protect your privacy, but you call her out in front of everybody. This is something that the church is going to have to deal with because we're trying to move from being broken to being beautiful. And it's that Japanese word again, kintsugi. That, that, that the pottery has all these cracks, and the pottery represents our bodies, but it's outlaid in gold. And this is what God is trying to do to this church. But here's the thing. This church is not a building. It's a people. 
And the church has to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, not me. Oh, you preach good. Are you preaching to yourself? Because here's the reality. And I say this. I don't have Dion following me around. If I were called Dion and said, look, man, I'm sitting in the dark. Bring your keyboard. Sweet, bring the worship team because I need to be inspired. And the reality of it is I had some brothers I could call. Because here's the thing that happened, Rob. I'm out. I'm in Fayetteville. I'm three, and a half, I'm three hours away. And my family is home. My family is home with no lights. I'm literally in a hotel room doing God's work. But my mind wasn't there thinking about my family. Now asking God, now God, I, to, I told you, Tiffany, like, God, why am I here? This is, there's a hurricane coming. And I left my family, like, and I'm wrestling with God with the call. And then the, inner, the, the, the stuff inside start popping up. You're supposed to be providing for your family. You're supposed, you left your family unattended. The voices. I had to preach to myself. Because if God called me to it, then my family going to be okay. But then I have to do, I have to do the thing that I know how to do. Hey, brothers, this is what's happening. And they responded, that's the body of Christ. That's community. I had to let them in my business so they can help me with my business. I did pray to God. I did ask for prayers. But I also had to confess my fault one to another. So, brokenness being beautiful. This is what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, I want you to know something. I want you to know the church of Ephesus. And I'm literally finished. You can play me out, Dion. Paul is saying, I want you to know something. And this is what I feel God is telling me to tell the church at Kannapolis, meet under the banner of Think Kingdom. That what God is going to do through us is beyond our ability, beyond our capacity, and beyond our imagination. But what it takes is what Paul's prayer was. And Paul's prayer was, two, was threefold. I pray that he may grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power in your inner being and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you being rooted and firmly established in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints, say all the saints. It takes all of us. Not some, not the talented tenth, it takes all of us. You matter to God because you are the body of Christ. And the body has many functions. I don't want everyone rushing uh, to the pulpit because the season that we're entering in is going to be less about the pulpit. Be less about the, the charisma of the pastor, the strategies of the operations person and children's ministry. We're entering a season where there may not be children's ministry. What does that mean to the body of Christ? 
is entering a season that's beyond what I thought the church would be. Who I thought would be attracting to this church. Beyond it. But it takes God and people that God chose. If you hear God has chosen you. I mean, we can get to the, the uh, theological um, questions that uh, Ephesians chapter 3 chapter 1 and 2 ask about him being chosen and the first the first chapter is all about God's sovereignty what God has done for us chapter 1 Ephesians read it this week chapter 2 is what Christ has done in us that's the sovereign sovereignty of God chapter 1 the grace of God chapter 2 and then chapter 2 and chapter 3 towards the um halfway point to chapter 2 and chapter 3 is what Jesus has done through his spirit to reconcile us. And that's what we see. He's calling us to be reconciled one to another through Christ Jesus. He says, I pray for you. I pray that our inner being is strengthened. I pray that your inner being be strengthened. And what I'm learning is that there are a lot of attacks against us against you to make you forget who you are in him one of the greatest text messages that I got was recently someone finally understood that how they saw their father was disrupting how they saw God sometimes in life we have all these counterfeits and these counterfeits create an image in our hearts. I, I spent some time with people who grew up in just this rigid, fundamental experience where everything they were told was they cannot do. Can't do this, can't do this, can't do this. And it bleeded out during an assessment that they were so regiment in their belief they'd never extended grace. And some of us have, have had that experience to the point that we don't even understand the love of God. We just see God as police. God doesn't want me to be happy. God is always, it's more to God. That concludes this week's message. If you were blessed by anything you heard in today's podcast and you feel led to give, feel free to text the word GIVE to 704-741-3705. And if you are in Kannapolis, Charlotte, or surrounding areas, come on by and visit us at 465 South Cannon Boulevard in Kannapolis, North Carolina, Sundays at 1033. You can also join us online Sundays on Facebook and YouTube. Be sure to subscribe to us and also check us out on Instagram under Think Kingdom. As always, you can go back and hear this message and so many more right here on our Think Kingdom podcast.